0: Yes, we are continuing our series called Steak and Potatoes and your pastor is still tormenting you with that steak video and potatoes. Anybody hungry? Anybody hungry? Hopefully you are hungry for God's word today. Uh, this, This series, this book of Romans, we call it Steak and Potatoes because it's like deep, doctrine and chewy meat and uh, today today is especially one of those. but we're talking about in this through this book we see in Romans we really understand who God is and his, his nature, his judgment, his righteousness, his laws and uh, you know his gospel, his good news, his help today is his freedom. And so if you've been joining us, we've been talking about how I mean, there's, there's ugly news and then uncomfortable news. And then a couple of weeks ago, it was incredibly great news and 19 people trusted in Jesus Christ as their savior in our services. And then last week was like, okay, how, how, do, we, how do we live when life is hard? When life is hard, so we unpacked that. It started with Corey Ten Boone and ended with an example of a Navy seal. So if you weren't uh, able to catch up on those, you can watch online at our YouTube channel, Grace Point Kitsap, or you won't get there at Grace Point Kitsap to watch those. Uh, Today, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter six. We'll be there shortly. Uh, I'm gonna begin with a volunteer who doesn't fully understand what he's volunteered for. (laughs) This is the best kind. All right, could you give a welcome to Andrew? Andrew, kind of come out here. Andrew, all right. All right. Um, his, uh, his and my, our friend was uh, here last service. Uh, and so he was my guinea pig, I mean volunteer. You see, all of us have a, have a disease. It's called, we were born with sin. Every single one of us were born sassy, selfish, and sinful. That's us, that's human nature. And sin will always lead to bondage. Sin will always lead to bondage. That's what sin does. So go ahead and put your hands out like this. I cherish this opportunity, Andrew. (laughs) Okay. And see, we lie, and guess what happens? We got to keep lying, right? And lie, more lies lead to bondage. We we steal, we want to steal more. We are discontent. We want more discontentment. We envy, we just want more stuff. We... We uh, have anger issues and we just let it go and it's just bondage. And it just, it affects every area of our life, every relationship of our life. Um, could you hug, hug your wife, Rebecca, that, with, with that very well? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like, get in here, girl. Is that what you're going to do? Okay. All right. Well, I'm not done yet because I don't want you running away. All right. Good old bike lock. So all sorts of us, all, all, every single one of us, we have just different types of bondage where it just won't let us, us free. And we can't really live, we can't really love, we can't really function well. We just kind of hobble through life because of sin leads to bondage. And uh, just, yeah, go ahead and have a seat, just relax. Don't miss that chair, I'm not helping you up. <laughs> So uh, go ahead, I'm going to read the passage today, and then I can come back and, and uh, explain it. Uh, chapter six, 1 through 14, and then verse 18. Paul's writing to people who have, they've been saved, okay, and been wickedness and you know, forgiveness and all that. He says, "What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we cannot die again. Death is no, longer, has, no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. Jesus died once. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of weakness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master Because you are not under the law, but under grace. You have, verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. If you are taking notes today, here's a central point, all right? I'm gonna drive home today. Christ has set us free to live a new life with him. If you have trusted in Christ, he has set you free so that, no, you can't just do whatever the heck you want to do. He sets you free so that you can live a new life with him, and I would add, and for him. For him. This is an absolutely amazing thing that Jesus has done for us. Now, Andrew, go ahead and stand up. You, you are a slave to sin. I mean, I, could, I pushed you hard enough you could probably stumble, but you probably will fall down. All right, if I, if I threw you a baseball at 50 miles an hour, you probably will get hurt, all right? And I, that's a light toss, by the way. And what happened is you, you're, you're in bondage. That's what sin does to us. He, the sin's in charge. And, if you get, and some of you have, have gone through the whole addiction thing. You know exactly what I'm talking about, how you are not in charge. That addiction is your master. That's what sin does to us. But Jesus is the only one that can free you. He has the keys to our freedom. Church does, is not a key. Being a good person is not a key, a key. It's only through Christ who came to die and rose again proving that he was God so that... Not only is our heaven taken care of, our eternity taken care of, he's, he died and rose again so that our life here, that we are set free to live a new life in him. So he comes and he sets us free. He is the only key that frees us. And this is what a salvation is all about. Now, Andrew, when you would like go sit back with Rebecca, you can let those chains fall and unhook yourself and be set free. Can we thank Andrew for helping me today? Thanks, bud. So this this whole illustration, I I did this up up front because I I want you to keep this in mind. Here's why. Because chapter six can be very confusing. And a couple weeks ago when I was studying it and then finishing up, I'm like, Lord, help me. How do I teach this so that people will understand? And I pray specifically for illustration. And God said, Tie up Andrew. That's what God told me. In the first service, his friend and my friend, they were in our, our life group, Young Mary's life group, and he's a cowboy fan, and he purposely on the first service wore a cowboy jersey, and I, it was my life's honor to chain a cowboy fan, okay? But anyways, he was set free. He needs Jesus. Pray for Carter. And so this passage is confusing. Here's, here's why. Paul, when he writes... He's using symbolism and reality, right? Something symbolic and something literal. He's using something symbolic and something literal. and sometimes at the same time. Now, what helped me understand this is my conversations with my three-year-old granddaughter, Callie. She li- they live in Denver area, and uh, she is... Uh, I think she already has a thousand, fifty thousand words that comes out of her her vocabulary. And so I have these things with her because in in the Papa contract, I can tease my grandkids. And she would take it literal sometimes, and then she would laugh at other times. And she went back and forth. And finally, uh, we were teaching her, when Papa teases you, it's because he loves you. So there's times I'm teasing her, and on FaceTime, all of a sudden, she looks, and she goes, are you teasing me because you love me? I'm like, yes. Yeah. She goes, oh, okay. And she relaxes. Here's an example. This, this, this has happened several times. Like, I'm messing with her. I'm like, you know, Callie, you're such a silly goose. And she's like, oh, I'm not a silly goose. In fact, you're a silly papa. And I'm like, are you teasing me because you love me? That's our, our relationship. That Really, in a short period of time later, I can say the same thing, Callie, you're such a silly goose, and she'll stop and turn and get a scowl on her face, and she goes, I am not a silly goose. I am Callie Grace Gregory. It was like, whoa, now we're in Literalville, you know. Let's go back to the other uh, you know, town of teasing. So Paul, when he's writing, he's using something symbolic Based off of a literal event, that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's trying to paint a picture and how it applies to us in a symbolic fashion and as a literal fashion. So, stay with me. I'm going to walk through this so you understand what we're talking about. Because the first example that he gives, something that is symbolic but literal at the same time, is baptism. He drops baptism into this chapter. Now, there are two baptisms. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking, we are spiritually baptized, the the washing of our sins away. That's called forgiveness. That we are forgiven at salvation. That's a spiritual baptism. Baptism. That's what happens at salvation instantaneously. We can't see it, we don't get physically wet. It is is a literal thing, but also very symbolic. Then scripture says, believe, that's faith in Jesus, and then be physically baptized. That is a symbolic event highlighting a literal decision that you made by faith to trust in Jesus as your savior. And the scripture says it's an act of obedience that you go public. It's an inward commitment, but now you're showing that commitment externally. Our next Grace Point Baptism Sunday is November 19th for those of you who have recently trusted in Jesus as your savior. It doesn't say wait until you know a lot more information before you get baptized. No, some people were baptized the same day they trusted in Jesus in scripture. But if you have recently got saved, you can get baptized. You can go to our website and find the event page. And the first event that shows up is Baptism Sunday. And you click on that simple form, you register, We get you set for that day where we celebrate symbolically what took place literally, that you placed your faith in Jesus. Now you're shown a picture, a symbol that you identify with the death and burial and we bring you back up and resurrection. So, and we celebrate, we go, we we, we do it during worship and it is absolutely a fun occasion. Some of you need to, out of obedience, get baptized. So that's the picture. Paul gives to us a, using a literal event of the death and resurrection of Christ and given the symbolic meaning to us as believers or new believers. Look at verse three, I'll put verse three on the screen here. It says, don't you know, because they didn't, that's why he said that, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, meaning into a saving faith relationship with Christ Jesus, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. Like what does that mean? This is where people get confused in this chapter, meaning when he died, we died. When we trust in Christ, we're identifying with his death, meaning our old self, our old life, our way of living our life prior to Christ dies. Dead. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying the same thing to a different audience this way. He says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, meaning in a relationship with Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Again, this is a picture of that baptism. When we trust in Christ, our old life dies. Now, We are positioned to live a new life that we have been set free from, a new life in Christ and for Christ. Christ has set us free to live a new life in him. Verse four, he says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, and he finishes the verse, in order that that we too may live a new life. When Jesus saves someone that life is dead he has positioned that new believer to now live a new life a new way the old is past the new has come which answers the question he started with verse 1 shall we just keep on sinning so that you know grace will increase you know, I'll just keep sinning and do whatever I want to do because, hey, I got to get out of hell free card. And so, therefore, I can do whatever I want to. It says, no, by no means. King James Version, God forbid, no. Bandera Version, heck, no. You were dead in sin. Don't keep living in it. Why? Because you're, you're now set to live a new life because of Christ. This truth triggers a couple of questions. Maybe you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have thought about this or asked this question. If this is true, then why do I continue to sin? Why do I continue to sin? Why do I still have a desire to click on that site that I know I shouldn't click on? Why, why do I have a desire to just go off on my coworker because they deserve it? I'll just say whatever I want to say. Why do I still have that desire if now I've been saved and set free? Why do I keep sinning? Maybe you've asked that question. Well, in response to that, I have some good news and some reality news. For your notes, here's the good news. Positionally, you are secure, right? Your sin debt is forever paid in full. When we trust in Christ, We are now a child of God. Our name is written into his family, into his, in his lamb's book of life, there's no eraser. Positionally, we are secure. God's not gonna come back around and say, okay, now you just keep sinning." So actually I'm gonna give you a new bill that you must pay in order to get into heaven. No, that, that bill was paid in full at the cross. Okay, that's positionally, that's a great truth. Now, physically though, physically, you now choose what you do with sinful desires in this life. While you are still living in this shell of a body, if your faith is put in Jesus, positionally you are secured, now physically you choose what you do with this freedom. Let me give you a couple illustrations to give you something symbolic that is also representing something literal, okay? If you ever been to a college graduation, maybe you are a college graduate, here's a question. Do you have to put on a dumb robe and a dorky hat and turn a tassel and then toss that hat into the air to become a graduate? Do you have to do that? No, no, you become a graduate when you fulfilled all the requirements for that degree, right? You don't even have to go to the graduation. Now, if you're, if you're smart, you would put on the dumb robe and the weird hat and turn the tassel, throw it in the air for good pictures, but also invite people to give you graduation presents. Okay? This is just symbolic of something that is literally now you. You are the same person, but you have a new title, graduate. Now here's your choice. You get to choose how or if you're gonna use that degree. You can take that degree and put it into work and go down that career path. Or you can take that degree and put it in a drawer and shut the drawer and it just collects dust and do nothing with that degree. You're still a graduate You still on record to have that degree, but now it's your choice what to do with it. Here's another illustration, a wedding celebration. And I couldn't help myself, this is my baby daughter. She got married June 30th. And as soon as we got through the end and I said, I now declare you man and wife. At that moment, my youngest daughter dropped my last name like a bad habit (laughs) and became a Gregory, all right? Now at the wedding, It's symbolic. I mean, they could have gone to the courthouse, could have made it legal, no problem. A lot of people have done that in the past. But at this ceremony, it's symbolic. You got the dress, you have the guys looking nice for the first time in months. You have flowers, you have music down to the reception. There's food, there's dancing, there's celebration. You know, there's toast. There's a legal marriage thing that needs to be filled out and turned to the state of Virginia. All that took place but they're the same people with the same personality, with the same strengths and weaknesses and the same habit, but now they have a new title, husband and wife, and they get to individually choose what they do with that title. How will they be a husband? How will they be a wife? Same people, new title, their choice. So positionally as a believer, scripture says, as soon as you trust in Jesus, you are a new creation. All right, you now have a new position, you're a child of God. You have a new future, heaven is secure, but now you have to live, you get to live a new life in Christ. How your choice of what you do with your position, physically in this physical shell, this physical body, you're still the same person. You're still you still have some habits, you still have desires, you still have temptations. That's who you are. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk away from that old life? Keep on sinning? I can just keep sinning so grace may increase? No. Don't still live that way. You have been set free. You have been set free to live a new life in Christ, in Christ. So verse 7 says, again, it's symbolic and literal at the same time. It says, anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Okay? Now let me give you the literal When a believer physically dies, death means separation. They are separated from this life and they're in the presence of God. Wherever God is, that's heaven. When as a believer, as soon as they take their last breath, they are forever free from sin. Forever free from sin. That's why I say the best part of heaven is no more sin. You can't. You can't sin. There's no ounce of sin. There's no air of sin. There's no, you know, inch of sin. There's no sin opportunities. Because if there was sin in heaven, guess what? It's no longer heaven. And hanging out with Jesus would be awkward. The best thing is as soon as they physically die, they're forever set free from sin. But, physically what if, what if we are physically still alive our heart is still pumping blood is still flowing we're still breathing we listen carefully even as believers we will wrestle against sin and temptation until this this flesh this you know shell Paul says this old tent the older we get it just shows up more cracks until we get rid of this and go to heaven, which will, then we, we will receive our heavenly bodies. Until then, we're gonna wrestle with it. Now, why do, we, why do we go to church? Why do we offer Bible studies? Why do we offer men's groups and women's groups? So that we know how we should live this new life. We don't, we don't just show up to shovel in truth and then go home and do nothing. Too many people do that. Now, here's something really important. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you actually follow Jesus and his word and you stay close to Jesus, you will sin less. If you ignore Jesus and go your own way, I'm like, I'm gonna live my life on my own. Okay, guess what? You will sin more a lot more and it will lead to death and destruction in different areas of your life. But if you choose, it's your choice, it's my choice. I'm gonna live this new life with the freedom that God, Jesus has set me free from. And I'm gonna stay close to my savior and I'm gonna obey and follow after what he says. You're gonna sin less and sin less and sin less and it will show up the results, the positive results in all of your relationships until we physically die and we don't have to worry about sin anymore. That's the meaning of this. Now, Christ has set us free to live a new life in him. If you're taking notes, here's this, your body parts, while you're still living, your body parts will be used for either wickedness or righteousness. I'm using body parts because if you really understand and break apart some verses that we're gonna talk about, it's talking about the members of our body, okay? My arm is a member, it's joined to me. I'm very thankful for that. Our body parts, we choose how we're gonna use them for either wickedness or righteousness. So in verse 12, I'm I'm gonna show you the translation from the New Living Translation because I think it's it's super clear, uh, very smooth, all right? It says this in, in verse 12, do not let, that's a choice, do not let sin control the way you live. We choose that. Don't, don't let it, that's a choice. Do not give in, that's a choice. Do not give in to sinful desires. We all have sinful desires, even pastors, trust me. Don't give in to it, that's a choice. Do not let, again, another choice. Do not let any part of your what? Body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Maybe you've never thought about this before. I wrote a list of some body parts, not all, that could be used for wickedness and evil. Even as a believer. Mentally, we can choose to remain in anxiety. And we can choose to live in fear. It's a choice. Emotionally, So we don't see, but we see the effects of it. Emotionally, we can choose anger and pride and let bitterness grow inside of us. We can choose those emotions. We can choose jealousy and envy. Our eyes, we choose to watch that pornography. We choose to watch that movie that is flaunting wickedness and evil. We are choose to read and it's all evil. We can choose to watch certain movies that are all about darkness and the occult. Now, I'm trying to say this in, in, in loving, loving honesty. Christians, we don't, any, we don't have any business watching horror movies horror movies, and it's, they used to hide it. It is in our face of evil, demonic forces. Do not allow that to go into your eye gates and your children's. But I just like being scared. Well, find a good friend and say, will you once a month scare me? Just pop out of the bushes, you know, you know, or jump and tackle me or whatever, or throw something at me. And I go, ah, and your heart, you know, I feel good. like, all right, next month, see you again. Sometime, I think. Watch what comes into our eyes. It's a member of our body. Ears, listening to inappropriate lyrics of a song that are in violation many times over of God's Word. Yeah, but I love the vibe, I love the tune. There's plenty of music that has cool vibes and tunes with. Lyrics that are not destructive. We listen to gossip. gossip. We know it. We know we shouldn't listen to it. We know we should say, "Um, I don't want to hear that. But we just say nothing. And we come into our ears. We hear slander. That slander is somebody talking about in a bad way, somebody else and their motives. They're attributing motives, you know, and their heart. and, And they're ruining this person's reputation in your mind's eye. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Tongue, we gossip. That's used by, for wickedness. By our tongue, we, we, can, we can slander someone because we're just blowing off steam. We're tearing this person down. By our tongue, we use profanity. By our tongue, we say hurtful things. By our hand, we can hurt someone and abuse someone out of anger out of our hand, we can post something inappropriate. Then we have sexual or- organs. And God designed, God hardwired us to be aroused so that we could give pleasure and receive pleasure from and only from a husband and wife relationship. But we can use sexual activity and anything outside of that is sexual immorality. Some of you, and I don't, I don't know your heart, but God knows, I know human beings, you have chain upon chain upon chain, that you are dragging to work. You're dragging when you come home and you have been set free. The lock is not on there, but you're choosing to have chains and to live in bondage. So this is this verse. Now the next verse 13 is the contrast. Now here's some better choices. It says, instead give, that's, that's a choice. Give yourself completely to God. I mean, God, every area of my life is yours. No secret rooms in my house of this life. I'm gonna give myself completely to God. Why, for, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. I'm so grateful, God. So use choice, your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So they're using the same body parts as instruments We can mentally, we have the ability with God and the Holy Spirit as believers. We can mentally, we can choose to trust God when we don't understand what he's doing. We can choose to trust God in the midst of anxiety. We can choose to not run to fear, but we're gonna run to trust in God. We're gonna choose to thinking on truth and thinking what is good. That's a choice. We emotionally can choose to love, to to have peace, to have contentment, to have joy. With our eyes, we can use them as an instrument for good to see the positive in every situation. We have a culture that just wants to point out this, every little flaw and we miss the beauty in a person or in a relationship, but a person whose eyes are gonna be used for good you can see the positive. When we go outside and we see the beauty, we instantly give God praise because wow, God, you're showing off today. We have a whole different way of seeing things and seeing people, seeing situations. With our ears, we can choose to listen to worship songs that just talking about what Jesus did for us, that he died and rose again. He secured our place, he's coming back. You know, all these things that just fill us with hope. We can choose to listen to podcasts that help us to grow spiritually. We can choose to use our hand to affirm, to applaud to help, we can choose to use our sexual organs and keep it pure until we give it and give it away selflessly to our spouse in a God honoring way. You see, positionally, you know, literally we are secure in our position as a child of God, our salvation, the the debt has been paid. But physically while we're in this shell, we can choose to take some of these chains and to walk away in freedom and let them go. It's our choice, it's our choice. We're gonna have the band come out and sing. Uh, we're gonna close the song. You may not know the song, we've done it a couple times here, but it's been a while. And, and I just felt led to close the service with this. And if, and if you don't know the words, you can definitely clap to the, to the cool beat. It's called Freedom is Coming. Here's a little bit of the lyrics. Freedom is coming coming, and it has a name. Oh, no room for my chains. Oh, you take them away. Freedom is coming and it has a name. And it is Jesus. How sweet is that name. You said it's for freedom that I was set free. Now I walk, it's a choice. Now I walk in the victory that you won for me. Freedom's coming. Let's stand and listen. And maybe you know it, you can sing with us.
1: There is a promised land waiting for me. Sometimes there's an ocean that lies in between. I'll keep on traveling the path where you've been till I'm right where you want me. That's where I will be. Freedom is coming and it has a name. Oh, no room for my chains. Oh on is coming and it has a name and it is Jesus. Watch stand fall as we lift your name, strongholds break, is erased, washed by grace
2: in the power of your name.
0: Man. Maybe you're here today and you're, you have never been set free because you have never trusted in Christ. Today's your day. Just right where you're standing there, you can say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm trusting in Jesus, what he did on the cross and he rose again, be my savior and you'll be unchanged. Now, then you're And Paul later in, uh, in, in the New Testament, he writes, now work out your salvation, not work for your salvation, work it out. Meaning take some of these chains and go, I am sick and tired of living with them. With God's help, I'm gonna drop them and start living in freedom that has been paid for. Amen.